everybody. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. And we got another great one for you uh, today. Uh, Dr. Daniels, you came to me with a very good topic of um, if we're serving the same God, how come we have different ways of doing it with the same supervisor? So this is what we wanted to talk talk about today. So Let's hope we give a good, good performance show and information for the, our viewers. And oh, by the way, please make sure that you like this post if you're seeing it on YouTube and on Facebook. And please make sure you share it, get the word out and get good vibes out there amongst all this negative energy that's going on in America during these times. But yeah, absolutely. welcome to the show, Dr. Daniels. Well, thank you. You know, I think today's topic is a very important one um, because if you think about um, how churches respond, especially in the United States of America. You know, we say we are one nation under God, but you would not know that if you look at how we operate as a nation. Uh, you know, for example, you know, you had the alt-right, the the um, the right movement marching in, in Washington, D.C., the, the Nazis, you know, those individuals that, that say they abhor Jews uh, as if um, God is somehow pleased with them disliking Jews, uh, but yet, you know, they say they're Christians, right? Uh, you, you have uh, them, you know, uh, wanting to um, disenfranchise minorities, um, following very few principles of the Bible, but yet we say this country is founded upon, you know, biblical principles. So the question I think, you know, that we have to ask ourselves as a nation and also as individuals is, you know, if we all serve the one God, if all the churches serve one God, then how is it that the churches have a difficult time reconciling with one another and serving together corporately to to um, deal with the problems that we face in this country. I mean, you know, how can we have poverty in this country, for example, if we are the richest nation in the world? Right. You, you know, how can we have so much so much division if we are a nation that has been blessed by God and a nation that says we are being led by God? And so if that's the case, what are the pastors of these people doing? You know, how, how can you as a pastor, for example, condone that kind of rhetoric that is so divisive and, and, and that kind of thing? What are we afraid of and why can't we work together? I think that's the issue is what is it about us church folk uh, that we cannot work together collectively under the, the guidance of one God? Well, I, in my opinion, I think it's because you can end up with too many cooks in the kitchen and everybody don't, uh, most of the people don't want to take a back seat mm-hmm. to the other, to one person that's going to lead a certain, even though, even if it was a committee of mm-hmm. people, you know, do you still have to decide who is going to be with the, your representative in the committee of, of the people? And it's just hard to get, you get wrapped up in that and that web and, but then at the end of the day, it's like, why not just do it? Like it's, um, 
you know how you, you know how the saying goes. You know, if you walk, if somebody spilled milk on the on the floor, do you walk over it or do you grab a paper towel mm-hmm. and clean it up? Mm-hmm. Even if you're the CEO, why would you wait for the janitor to come clean it up if you had the ability to just knock it out right then? Right. Some of it, I think, is that. Like, I can be honest with you. Like, I, I, I've, and I've had conversations where it's like, well, who's going to be the next great black leader? Mm-hmm. And and I say, well, it ain't going to be me because. <laughs> Martin Luther King, Mega Evers, and Malcolm X, dead. Right. You know, right. they died young. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, whoever's going through that wall is the one that's going to get all the punishment. So, okay, so you start looking around. Is it going to be Dr. Daniel? Dr. Daniels, well, hold up now. You know, um, my plate is full. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the next person. So we, we're continually going to the next person versus saying, what little bit can I do? to help move move the needle, so to speak. But, but what about, how can we say, for example, that we all serve the same God, okay? We all have the same position description. Right. We all have the same playbook. <laughs> yeah. Right? All of that's the same. So the question is, if that is the same, why is it that pastors don't work together more to solve problems? I'm not saying we have the answer here. I'm saying that's, that, I think that's the great question. And, and again, maybe part of it is ego. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it's our ego. Maybe it's that because we have such big egos that everyone wants to be in charge. You know. Then also, too, each church has its own issues internally that it's got to deal with. You know, where if you have a church that's a mega church and everything is fine, that's got to partner with another church that's smaller and the doorknob is falling off, but they, cause they got five members, mm-hmm. you know, does that pastor come to the table with the mega church pastors thinking he's on the same level? He should. He should. But is the mega church pastor going to treat him the same? But he should. I get it, but we already know that he's not going to. I I know, and that's what I'm saying. Ego, right? Right. Because here's the thing. Uh, How many members did Peter have? How many members did John have? How many members did Andrew have? But yet all the apostles were not looked upon as if one should be greater than the other. In fact, when they asked the question and and they asked Christ, you know, because someone wanted to be great, he said, okay, if you really want to be great, then be the least, (laughs) you know, not not try to be the big shot. I mean, because like in in, in what you just said, for example, let's say the small church does need a doorknob. Well, shouldn't a large church just buy them a doorknob and move right. on? So, you know, for example, think about all the churches that hand out book bags in our community, right? And so, and think of then all the duplication of effort that we that we do. Wouldn't it make more sense if, even if all the churches didn't come under one umbrella, if within that one community, you know, the five or six churches would say, listen, okay, rather than us, you know, you having something on this corner, me having something on this corner, 
What if those five churches would come together and pool their resources, right? Mm-hmm. You could get quantity discounts in buying stuff, you know, so either the smaller church would benefit because they're getting the same quantity discount as a larger church getting, mm-hmm. you know, and so, and, and the larger dis- church would benefit because now you have more people to help, you know, with the programmatic kind of stuff and, and, and everyone would benefit. But that's not what happens, you know, in in the way we function. Um, A wise man said to me one time, there are enough sinners in the community to fill up every church to capacity, you know, and there are. So why do we keep competing for sinners? As if there are not enough sinners to go around (laughs) to get saved. And, and, And that's dynamics, you know, is that for reasons that defy logic to me, most pastors are uneasy working with pastors on events that they feel don't benefit their local church right. directly. Right. You know. <clears throat> so I get where the problem could be at. Because you have a problem where if you're a nice sized church and you were trying to pull off an event like that and bring everybody in, the smaller churches be like, well, like if I own a church, you know, I say, you know, Pastor Daniels, you know, we can let him foot most of the bill and we just kind of just show up or we just put forth a little bit. But <clears throat> I get what you're saying. And it's difficult for people to do that. But I'm going to ask you this question. Does the meeting ever happen? Like, does uh, does a pastor of another church knock on your door and say, hey, I want to put on this event together? Does that, does those meetings ever happen? It's rare that the pastor will call me and ask me to join with them in an event. Now, a pastor will call me and tell me they are having an event right. and ask me, will I advertise it? Oh, you know, will I come and support their event? Right. But it's, it's rare that they'll say, let's do it together. You know, it's, it's very, I think uh, I, I've been serving as the pastor of Enoch since 1989. And I can tell you, I can count on one hand the number of times that I have been asked to partner with a group of churches uh, other than, you know, the Western Bayside United Group mm-hmm. to, to do an event. And even with the Western Bayside United Group, you know, um, that that partnership that we have is not always one where all the churches come out, you know, full force. You know, sometimes you get all of them that's a member to come out and sometimes you don't. Sometimes the pastor will show up for the meetings and sometimes, you know, the pastors, you know, they will send a substitute. And I realize everyone is busy and everybody can't be everywhere and do the same thing. Uh, but it just would seem to me that we would be more effective and more efficient if in every community we we, we set ourselves up and, and, and it's not, it doesn't have to be in hierarchy, it doesn't have to be a bishop over the group, but we set ourselves up so in that community we are operating 
you know, to benefit the community right. as opposed to operating to benefit our, our local church. And I think that's one of the huge problems is that oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes the primary focus of church leaders is to run programs that benefit the local church body as opposed to running programs to benefit the community. Right. And so if the program benefits community but not the local body, churches are hesitant, you know, to make that happen. And so I think that too is a part of our problem uh, in that regard. You know, it used to be that churches weren't trying to be mega churches. Mm-hmm. You know, that, 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 right. that, that's, a, that's a new phenomenon, you know. It used to be churches were happy to be small community driven churches right you know that that was their aim was to be uh, in the community serving the community where your membership primarily could walk to the church and came from the community that's not the that's not the end game now it, you know m- m- the end game now seems to be I want to draw from all over the place you right. know I, I I want to be a mega church you know or I want to to be um, uh, head over several churches stretched out, uh, you know, all over, you know, the area. And there's nothing bad about that. But what I'm saying is that it seems that when we do that, we take our focus off of the community where we are. Uh, and we and, and so we don't tend to work in concert with one another anymore. It just doesn't make sense to me that if you have a Methodist church, an Episcopal church, on a Lutheran church, and they're within three blocks of one another, that they don't work together. Right. It just doesn't make any sense because in theory, they all have the same supervisor. Right. You know, Jesus is our supervisor. Um, well, let me say it differently. Jesus is the CEO of the organization. Right. Because Jesus is the head of the church. So Jesus is the CEO. Now, the Holy Ghost is the manager that's been put in place for day- the day-to-day operations. Right. Okay. Right, right. So if all of us are being led by that manager, then all of us should be locked, stocked you know, walking hand in hand, working together to make that community better. Uh, But it's almost like we have forgotten our position description and what it says. And we certainly don't go by the handbook uh, that tells us to work together anymore. No, we we don't. And the the ironic thing, like you said, is everybody's supposed to be following the same playbook and handbook and everything, but they're not. Is it is what caused the different denominations to even to exist part of the issue of why they're not able to work together? Well, you know, different denominations, like the original break, if you know, if we go back and look at it from a historical perspective, and of course we don't have no time to go through the entire uh, division. But originally, everyone would be what we would call Catholic. You know, if you were a Christian, pretty much that's what you were, uh, basically. Um, if you if you were to again. Most most historians would say that the the, the that um the way the current structure is of churches, that Catholicism was it. But there were some difficulties within the Catholic Church in how they interpreted church doctrine, 
you know, some basic doctrinal issues that they had. Uh, and, and, and Martin Luther was, was one of the primary ones that had some problems with some of the doctrine. Not that he wanted to split the church up. He wanted to, the church to operate more like the Bible indicated, you know, like for example, uh, during his time, they, they sold dispensations. Um, they, so, um, if, 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 if someone in, for example, if someone in your family died, right. Uh, and they would go to purgatory and they would be there for a while and you could go to the priest presumably, and give him a nice, you know, donation. He could pray that person out of purgatory and get them back into heaven, you know, those kind of things. Right. Uh, one of the jokes was that there uh, were enough pieces of the cross sold to have built Noah's Ark, <laughs> you know, that, that all that kind of stuff was going right. on. And Martin Luther thought that was wrong. And so he, 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 he had his thesis and he, he pinned it, you know, on, on, the, on the door. Uh, of, of, of the church and, and that caused people to start thinking differently and so there was a division at that point in time and and so that division started there and it kept on dividing because then you know one group would leave the church when they left the the, the, the Catholic Church they, they were they protested right they were protesting some of the things that Catholicism stood for and so that's why if you are not Catholic you are called a Protestant if you're a Christian you are Protestant because you protested that part of it. But even within the Protestants, they some of them had different ideas. Right. And so then they would break away and say, well, right. you know what? Because some of them still believe that Catholicism basic ideals were okay, but just a few things that they, you know, so you keep you keep breaking away and you break away, you break away, and so you keep getting further and further away from the from those basic things of Catholicism. So see, so that breakaway was based on doctrinal differences, you know, and so that was that division. Even when we don't have doctrinal differences in current, you know, uh, like for example, all Baptist churches don't operate. All Baptist churches can be in, well, let's say it differently. You can have three Baptist churches in the same neighborhood. They can be right beside each other. Right. But that don't mean they're going to operate as if they were one. You know, it doesn't right. mean that they're going to come together and and say, "Hey, listen, let's let's fight hunger in this neighborhood together." Right. You know, let's fight uh, homelessness in this neighborhood together. Let's let's fight unemployment together in this neighborhood. Mm. And they'll be Baptists, right? You know, and it could be in the same conference and won't do it. Right. Uh, just one, there's one guy um, when he mentioned me years ago, he said, I don't understand why in Franklin, the city of Franklin, why there's so many churches on South Street. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, and I was, one day I was riding down South Street, and I said, he ain't lying. It's like four, four, at the time it was like four churches on South Street. Mm -hmm. And in a, in a city of 10,000 people, why do you have four churches on one street, mm -hmm. it, it didn't make any sense. Right. You know, it's like, so we can't all get together and say, okay, one person can be the pastor or the leader, and we all go to church, and then we say, okay, what we're doing for the community this month, mm -hmm. like, we all can't just get together and just agree to that. Mm -hmm. It's it's actually ridiculous when you really sit and think about it. it I agree. It, it is. It, it, it is. It is not biblically based the way we operate as a unit, you know, and I guess maybe if you go back and consider the difficulties that the apostles had, 
here you have 12 men, right? And I'm, 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 when I say 12, I am um, recognizing that Judas committed suicide and Paul now becomes the 12th apostle, okay? You have 12, 12 apostles that have been commissioned by Christ to go out and evangelize the world and they can't work together. <laughs> They upset with each other, you know, and, and Paul is upset with 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 with, with Peter, and, and and they get the arguments are so heated that you take this one and you go one way, right. and I go this way, and, and and as if they're dividing up the you know the continent and say, listen, that's your side of town, this is my side of town, right. and and I'm gonna go over here and preach Jesus, and you go there and preach Jesus, but I don't want to see you no more, you know, because we can't get along. And and so even back then, there were those issues of personalities that were causing problems. And 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 so and but I will say this about them is that at least the fight they fought was not one of ego per se. It was one of a, 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 a difficulty in letting go of their past beliefs. You know, uh, so there were doctrinal issues that they dealt with. We have personality problems, it seems like, that, that, that keep us from working together and keep us from making an impact uh, in this world when we ought to be. Again, it's rare that you will come across an African-American that will say I'm an atheist. Mm-hmm. Very rare. You know, think about how many folks that you come across to say I'm a Christian. Now, if all of us are Christians, why is any African-American starving? Right. Or any black. Some people don't like the term African-American. So right. Black American. Because uh, I don't want to offend anybody. Right. <laughs> Why is any black American starving if, if all of us are Christians? Right. That, 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 that to me makes zero sense. You know, why? how can you have a, a church, a mega church that has four and five thousand members? And like you said, have another small church with 50 members where uh, the air conditioner is not working right. and they only need $400 to get it fixed. Right. You know, what is $400 right. to right. the budget right. of a mega church? You, you know, I mean, why can't we just look back and say, okay, I'll help you. I mean, I know you can't. But why doesn't it, why for, let's assume that the mega church knows, mm-hmm. right? But why isn't that happening? That's a that's a hundred thousand dollar question. That 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 I don't understand. Because they can afford it. Of, of course they can. You know, and it's a nonprofit organization. So the tax, <laughs> like I can't think of any reason why they wouldn't do it. Of course they they can, and then and there's no reason. Now I get it. You know, you have your budgets and you have your money set aside. You know, because you you know you have your missions over here. You know, you probably have your own benevolent fund, and you got payroll. You have all these things going on. But again, my thing is, it's almost like we're saying. If it doesn't benefit my church, then there's no need for me to be a part of it. But if, you know, here's how I look at it. If everybody in my community gets saved, I benefit Mm -hmm. because I don't have to lock my doors. Right. 
you know, I, I can feel comfortable because you ain't going to be breaking in my house, stealing stuff from me. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not the pastor of a mega church, but if I was the pastor of a mega church, I would be more than happy to help a smaller church out because you know what? I can't do everything. Right. And so maybe they can do some stuff that I can't do, you know, right. and that's true. Everybody doesn't feel comfortable in the mega church. Somebody will feel more comfortable in the smaller church. Right. So it, to me, that ought to be a part of your, your mission strategy to say, let me help this church out. You know, you, you may can't help everybody out, but you can say, let me help this one and this one and this one so that they remain viable, so right. that they can still have this positive impact in the community and reach some lives that I can't reach. Now, true, maybe as a mega church, you may could be more efficient if you were directing it yourself. But if you help the other church become efficient, then they can reach out and they can, you know, pull some folk in because there are enough centers to fill up all the churches, right. the mega church and the small church. Right. So is it so it goes back to this basically the ego and it's really nothing in it for the church because I can I honestly I can't see you sitting in a in a, in a meeting right mm-hmm. and then you ask them, you say good neighbors air condition is out and they're dying need of five hundred dollars I can't see anybody at Enoch Baptist Church meeting raising their hand against giving them five hundred dollars. Let me tell you, if 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 I'm in a church meeting and our church, our, uh, the church is besides which Good Samaritan, Good Samaritan, Good right. Samaritan. If 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 they tell me, look, Good Samaritan acknowledges now and they need five thousand dollars to fix it, I'm gonna say to Enoch, give them the five thousand dollars, not loan it to them. Right. Give them the five thousand dollars so they can fix it. Now, does that mean that we have a lot of money? No, we don't. But the question that would come to my mind is that if I believe God and if that 5,000 will not put me in a bankrupt position, why wouldn't I help that church out? Because I believe that God's going to bless me for for doing that because I'm helping one of the partners that he has commissioned to go out and save some souls. Right. And so why wouldn't I help them? And, And I would most definitely I would help them. And so and so you're right to me. It just makes good sense from an efficiency, effective standpoint, but also just from a biblical standpoint. You know, am I my brother's keeper? I would say, yes, I'm supposed to be my brother's keeper. And and and, and, and is it more efficient for me to partner with that church? Of, of course it is. Right. You know, it's always more efficient when we can use the power of synergy. You know, right. when, when we can when, when we can not when one plus one is no longer two, but one plus one now becomes three, you know, because of how we're operating. It just makes more sense to me. Uh, but, you know, I hate to say it's ego, but I got to agree with you. I think maybe it, when you boil it down, it is that egos prevent churches from fear and egos. Right. Because there's some smaller churches that may fear that if I do work closely with this larger church, they're going to end up pulling my members into that church. Right. But my theory has always been simple. They don't belong to me. There's not one member at Enoch that belongs to me. Them folk belong to Jesus. You know, Peter. But but if now on the flip side of the coin, if a smaller church and the members <clears throat> say they could not afford the, the church that they're in is falling mm-hmm. apart mm-hmm. and able to be absorbed, let's say, you know, mm-hmm. in, into mm-hmm. Enoch. 
But the pastor's like, well, I'm, I'm bringing these people here. Do you have something for me to do? I don't have to be the senior pastor. Sure. I don't have to be preaching every Sunday. Is there something that I can be doing? Absolutely. I already, I already know the answer is yes. Absolutely. So it's, it, it's, it's like going back to the ego. Are we so caught up in, I want to be the leader of this named church versus doing the actual work? I would have to say yes. I think that's a huge part of it. You know, it is that ego says, I want to be in charge. You know, I, I want to be the pastor. I want to be a pastor. I, I can tell you this, me personally, and, and, and this is something I've always said to myself. Let's say a, a younger pastor opens up a church two blocks away from Enoch and the Enoch members start joining that church, you know, in droves so that all of the members are over there now. I'm not going to be mad. If that pastor is more effective at helping people maximize their lives in Christ, I'm going to be happy, not mad. Because the goal is not for me to be a pastor. The goal is for Christ to get glory. See, that's the goal. The goal is for Christ's people, for for the people who have been placed on this earth to recognize who their creator is and to recognize who Jesus is. And if they are doing that, that's what's important. And if that means I'm not a pastor, I'm just as happy as I can be because that's what the end game ought to be. The end game should never be for me to be the pastor of a mega church. The end game should be for me to expose as many people as possible to what the Bible teaches. And if they get it, I don't care how they get it. If they get it through me, if they get it through a donkey, I'm just as happy as I can be because that's what it ought to be. You know, now I'm not saying everyone has that viewpoint, but that's my viewpoint. You know, I'm not afraid of not being a pastor. Right. You know, what I'm afraid of is not being what God wants me to be. And that is a servant that gets people uh, to Christ. So, you heard it here. Alright, this is your host, C.B. Baker. Next time.